Greetings and welcome to the Ice Skating Podcast brought to you by the International Skating Union. I'm Luke Norman and Nick Moore's with me. We're just where we want to be, aren't we, Nick? In the thick of the action. Quite right. And we're approaching the end of the Grand Prix and World Cup programmes in figure skating and, and short track as well. There's still a bit of speed skating to go, uh, which is a bit crazy because it, it feels like they only just started. But in an Olympic season, that can only mean one thing, which is the, the Euros are coming up, the inter- intercontinental events are approaching. But that's the only thing lying between us and the, the really big one. It's amazing to think in our next pod, isn't it, that we're going to be wrapping up the sort of regular season. Uh, But before we start thinking about that, there there is a huge amount to get through on this pod from all three disciplines. Yes, there is. And let's start with the figure skating and the International de France in Grenoble, which was a nice mixture of some top names continuing their excellent year and some others really hitting form for the first time this season at, at the right time, you'd think. What stood out for you, Luke? Well, I've been loving the pairs this winter and it it is getting quite funny, really, because every episode of the pod, it seems to me that we mention a different couple as contenders for the podium in Beijing. I think maybe we filled up three or four podiums already, but in (laughs) France, we got to see yet another heavyweight contender hit their stride in Alexander Boykova and Dmitry Kozlovsky. Yes, you're quite right. There's only one podium in Beijing, but we know that this pair have got a shot at it, of course. They got that great bronze medal at the World Championships earlier in the year and the previous European champions. So they've got pedigree and it's perhaps strange that we haven't mentioned them yet and that they're just starting to deliver now. Yeah, they they weren't too happy with their performance at Skate America, were they? But but this one was pretty impressive. They put in a, a season's best performance in the short It was, and they just weren't really going to lose after that. They were really strong again in the free skate. And I think that a lot of their rivals will have been watching on and just thinking, oh no. Uh, And they hit their main short-term target too, which was, of course, qualifying for the ISU Grand Prix figure skating final. But they then told our reporter, Tanya, that they were fairly unimpressed with how they skated. Yeah, that's right. There's a nice interview with them that you can read on isu.org. And I'm always impressed and amazed by when people are professional sportsmen and women are just completely dissatisfied with a great performance and yeah. talk about all the errors and how much better they can do. Um, but I suppose Russian pair skating does demand perfection and uh, no surprise to say it was a good weekend overall for Russia, wasn't it? It really was with, with Anna Shabakova registering another solid win in the women's competition. Yeah, a second Grand Prix gold this season already and you have to think she's laying down her marker as as a favorite for the olympic title i mean we'll talk about a a couple of other favorites later but she is the 2021 world champion and she's putting it all together at the right time um although it was far from easy in france yeah she had a difficult time because firstly she came out with a completely new short program because her coaches didn't like the one she was skating uh, previously and that must be a horrible decision, trying to change the programme you've been working on for hundreds of hours and replacing it and then wondering whether this is better than the one you're already doing, whether you should be repairing that. It's a it's a minefield. Mm, absolutely. Um, but I think it did, did seem to suit her better. Yeah. She was clearly nervous and she said that, but she completely owned it and, and went into the lead overnight. And But then surprisingly, her free skate did get off to a pretty shocking start. Yeah, she stumbled and fell early on in the programme. She was clearly upset. And for a lot of skaters, that would just be 
that would be that for the whole routine. Your head would start messing with you. But Shabakova just got up again and just instantly hit a quad flip and went from there. That is the way to respond, isn't it? Yeah. And afterwards, she discussed the programme with Tanya. I'm satisfied with my performances on these two Grand Prix. I can say that uh, now I'm going like step by step. Uh, what is important for me that uh, every competition I have some moments what I improve to the next competition. On my first uh, Grand Prix, I had a goal to show my quad uh, and I skated clean my free program. I was uh, so happy that uh, time, uh, but I needed to go further. Uh, so this competition, uh, my second Grand Prix, we had some changes uh, with my short program. And it was first time I skated it uh, on the competition. We had only one week to make it, to skate it, uh, to work on it. Uh, so um, now I'm satisfied how it was here, but I still see a lot of moments what to improve. And my coaches, of course, uh, will change some little moments. And we will work on it. And what about my free skating? Uh, so then I had a goal to uh, to try two quads in my free program. Uh, I had uh, a strong mistake on my first jump. And I think that I need to be more confident in my quad lats. I need to work more on it on my practice and to have more stability in this jump. But um, I'm happy that after this uh, fall, I skate uh, the whole program clean and uh, did my other quad so there are some positive moments too the fantastic Anna Shabakova there a test of character in France and she passed it with flying colours and in the men's event we got to see another skater who's going from strength to strength yeah that's right we talked about this man last time Yuma Kagiyama and he's just had an impeccable November yeah, and he did a better short program uh, this time around from the last event, and he did a really nice free skate as well. It wasn't completely clean, so he'll be looking for improvements as we move towards the Grand Prix final and the Olympics. But the main thing is he's hitting those big quads and just looking technically very, very nice. Yeah, and it's exciting, isn't it? Because you think, like Shabakova, he, he's got to be going towards the big events now, thinking he can get on the podium. Yeah, maybe even that top step if he can get the short program consistent. Indeed, absolutely, which is which is big news in that event, isn't it? Um, anyway, finally, we had the ice dance. And once again, it was all about Gabriela Papadakis and Guillaume Cizeron. Um, They can do nothing wrong at the moment, this pair. Um, six gold medal at the Home Grand Prix event. And you'd be very brave to bet against them. Yes, and I think uh, Piper Gillis and Paul Poirier must have seen quite enough of them for one season because they finished second again. But, you know, those two are just on another planet at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. As our reporter Tanya wrote afterwards on ISU.org, um, it was mesmerising stuff, really intricate and technical. And she spoke to them afterwards, starting off by asking how they felt about their two Grand Prix wins. The two Grand Prix went pretty great. Uh, Italy was was very good. We skated great both programs. Um, we did two this time. Uh, we improved a couple of things from uh, the last Grand Prix. There were some things, uh, especially in the films, that were a little bit less good. So overall, um, you know, we did a better performance on the rhythm dance and overall um, same amount of point uh, worth performance on the freelance. So. Uh, but overall, we're happy with 
that we did. And, then Guillaume spoke about how the program has evolved. Evolving pretty, uh, pretty well. I think we made a few changes from Finland to Torino on the rhythm dance, and I think it paid off. Um, we've been very focused on the technical aspects of the program, and uh, I think everything's growing pretty well. Uh, we still have a few weeks until the final to add some little details, uh, make the performance even better. But overall, uh, the, the the programs are evolving uh, in a great direction. Always great to hear from those two. Certainly is, isn't it? They're great, great fun. Um, and then the action moved on to the rink in Sochi for the Ross Telecom Cup, the final event before that Grand Prix final in Osaka, Japan, in just ten days or so, ninth to the twelfth of December. And, uh, of course, it was a brilliant opportunity for the Russian fans to get a well-deserved chance to support their superstars in person. Yeah, the Russian skaters give so much joy to fans all over the world. And as we've been talking about all season so far and, and last season, they've got such strength and depth and they're so dominant. So it must just be amazing for these home fans to be able to show their support and, and backing. Yeah, it must, must not it? And it, it does throw up, I suppose, that fascinating conundrum as to just how as a, a top level athlete how do you react to the pressure of a home crowd and in particular when it's a really expectant home crowd I mean of course it, it's something all the Chinese athletes I suppose across all sports will be having to face up to this season and to try and work out and it, it's just a fascinating issue. Yeah and it was really well summed up in Russia by the superstar pair, Anastasia Mishina and Alexander Galyamov. They came red hot to Sochi, having scorched the competition at the NHK. And they were expected to do the same thing on home ice, but they found it tricky, at least to, to start off with. Yeah, they did, didn't they? Their, their short programme was a little messy, which is very uncharacteristic, and Mishina tumbling to the ice out of a triple. Um, but she spoke to our reporter Tanya afterwards, and went right to the heart of the issue of, of just desperately wanting to perform your very best in front of your home crowd. For us, it was a bit difficult to skate on this Grand Prix. Uh, short program was not the best, and I don't know the reason. Maybe it was a bit more difficult to skate for Russian fans because you want to do better than you can, and um, some mistakes happen. And in the free program, we did everything yeah, good. And... Um, we really wanted to skate clean for our fans and it was a big pleasure to skate on our ice. Anastasia Machina there. And the next day, the pair's free programme was just absolutely exquisite. Um, they swiftly put the opening day's troubles behind them and jumped to the very top of the leaderboard. Yeah, they're looking great, aren't they? Both for the Grand Prix final and, of course, the Olympics, as we keep talking about. Um, and our next skaters replicated... Uh, their compatriots by also winning their second Grand Prix gold in a matter of weeks. Yeah, we spoke a lot on the last pod about how the ice dance is boiling up as one of the most competitive of all the events in the looming Olympic Games. Victoria Sinitsina and Nikita Katsalapov are making sure they're very much part of the conversation. Yeah, they've, they've been around for some time, this pair. Um, and in a way, you, they, they do just seem to be getting better and better, which is quite a statement considering the prizes on offer over the next three months of this season. Yeah. World champions last season, silver in 2019. They've got real pedigree on the biggest stages, don't they? And they could even afford a small mistake in the free uh, in Sochi. So here's Nikita giving his reflections on his performance as a whole to Tanya. 
we feel really great about uh, going to the finals in a week. Uh, but uh, it's not the same feeling about today's uh, free dance. But it, um, we think that it's okay because uh, mistakes happen and uh, uh, we have uh, delayed preparing for the season because of uh, some injuries. But uh, we feel great and uh, we know what to do. We know how to keep keep going up and uh, uh, improve. I can say uh, the run through today was tough from the beginning to the end, but I'm really happy that uh, we're not losing the energy throughout the program. And uh, a lot of things were better today uh, than even before. And uh, we just got to keep going and working. He's a perfectionist, isn't he, Nikita? I suppose you have to be to be one of the world's very best. Yeah, another difference between you and I and these superstars as if there weren't enough already. But Nikita (laughs) also spoke to Tanya about his thoughts ahead of the Grand Prix final in Japan and revealed what could prove to be a secret weapon in this difficult season. Actually, a lot of athletes who was there in Japan said that it was a long week. But for me, I don't know why and I can't say why. I felt really good. (laughs) Maybe, uh, you know... Uh, because of that quarantine, you sit in your hotel room and nobody touches you and you just rest and then you go to the skating ring and do your job and and then you rest again. So I felt amazing. And so, yeah, I'm waiting for the same feeling. <laughs> it's very useful to enjoy bubble life, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and our, our final guest from, from Sochi is also a huge Japan fan, aren't we all, frankly? Um, there was more joy for Russia in the women's competition. And although Elisaveta Tukdamisheva had no answer to her 15-year-old compatriot, Kamila Valieva, um, she cannot wait still, Tukdamisheva, for the Grand Prix final because that was her third silver of the season. And of course, there was a World Championship silver last season. So she, she is in top form. And here she is talking to Tanya in Russia. I'm so happy with some going there because... Uh... Uh, it's important in the Olympic season uh, to qualificate uh, to final, and uh, uh, it's almost uh, after ten days final final started, and uh, so we don't have a lot of time to to rest. <laughs> but yeah, I think uh, everybody will be in a good condition, and. Uh, can't wait to be in Japan because uh, I, in the beginning of the season, I didn't know or I, I forgot uh, what is going to be in Japan, and it was uh, a nice surprise uh, because I every time enjoying to skate there. Great stuff, a big fan of Japan. Uh, thank you to Tuk Tami Shaver and all our figure skating guests for their time. And of course, the incredible Tanya, she is everywhere. You won't miss a twist or a triple if you keep an eye on her reports on isu.org. She, she's almost as impressive as skaters themselves, isn't she? Nick? Yes, she is. <laughs> I, I have to say, I did love, last word on, on the figure skating, I did love watching Valieva. She was just in a different stratosphere in Sochi to everyone else. A pair of magical skates, smashed her own free skating best. Finished overall with 272.71, more than 40 points clear of Tukhtamasheva, which is really impressive. 
Okay, moving on to speed skating. It's been fantastic to watch them back in action on the Oval. After the joys of the season opener in Poland, the world's best moved on to Norway. And if anything, they upped the level even further. Yeah, I agree, actually. I, I thought it was an incredible weekend with, with some truly thrilling performances and some major Olympic markers thrown down. Perhaps none more so than in the women's 5K and the men's 10K, the final time the skaters will race these long distances before they line, line up in Beijing for the Olympic Games. Yeah, I agree. You could almost feel that those two races had an extra edge just because of that, um, couldn't you? And starting with the women's 5,000 metres, Irene Schouten, who we heard from on the last pod, topped the podium once again. She's looking so strong across all her races right now. But the woman she narrowly beat into second place was uh, Canada's Isabel Weidemann. She's also feeling pretty good about her performances at the moment. And here she is talking to Leo, our reporter on the ground, and he wasted no time in asking her just what her skate meant in terms of Olympic prospects. I mean, it, it told me that uh, at least I'm pushing the top and that I can contend with, with Irene. I mean, I'm, I'm still two seconds back from her um, and she's she's on a phenomenal trajectory right now. But uh, it's given me a lot of fire, I think, especially uh, we have a few months left to, to kind of refine things and, and figure out uh, how to make things go faster. So... Yeah, I, I'm excited. I mean, it was a little bit of a burn today, but yeah. yeah. So your approach is a bit different, isn't it? You keep the, the schedule flat. Absolutely, and, yeah. uh, and she's she's actually, uh, yeah, she's increasing pace. She likes to come race. down, yeah. yes, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah I think I, I do a little bit better when I'm just really consistent. Um, I haven't raced anybody like her in a long time in the 5K, being head-to-head contending like that, so... It was uh, something that I needed to practice today, um, skating my own race. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm happy with that opportunity, but obviously I have a lot to work on. Are the two of you the main candidates for, for the Olympics in the 5K? <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, she, uh, she for sure. Um, I hope that I'm also up there and um, I hope that I can, can push her and, and give her some, some competition as well. And um, I, I hope that, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. So there's still a bit of a gap, uh, but you Absolutely. said, yeah, I'm going to work on like narrowing yes. the gap. Yeah. What, what specifically are you going to do to try and, and, and get that gap closed? I think I need to work on my, my tactics a little bit more. You know, every time I came around, I gave her a draft and I, I thought about that. <laughs> I was like, this is a mistake every single time. And so I, I definitely need to work on my tactics and just keep doing what I've been doing all summer. And, you know, we haven't, we haven't done a taper yet so I'm, I'm excited to kind of come off the training a little bit and, and see where that gets us I love hearing that and about how she plans to narrow the gap to Shouten. I mean rivalry is what sport's all about isn't it yeah it's thrilling stuff isn't it you imagine uh, Shouten's listening listening to that we hope she's listening to the pod and thinking well we'll see I'm gonna I'm gonna taper as well um, but it's, re- it's really close. Uh, but in contrast to that, the, the men's 10K is one race where right now there doesn't seem to be anyone who can catch Superman, Nils van der Poel. I know, the, the man's on fire, isn't he? And to be fair, all, all his rivals are just holding out their hands and, and bowing down to him right now, really, or, or saying it too anyway. I mean, I suppose you can't say much else when you finish more than 14, 17 seconds behind, sorry. Yeah, and the, the man in, in silver in the silver position was was none other than Soshi 2014 Olympic champion Yorick Bergsma and, and he called Van der Poel's effort the best race he'd ever seen high praise and of course Leo was on hand to ask Van der Poel about 
getting such a comment from a rival. I raised my 10k from here again, higher than this, uh, based on uh, performance, I suppose. Like, uh, from the shape of that day, I believe the Herenvain race was a better race. Like, it was more even. It was, it was uh, closer to my maximum performance of the day. I believe my ground shape is better this year. That's why I'm going so fast. Uh, the race day, it was a good race. It was a really good race. I think I could have gone a little faster a little earlier. I got a little defensive when the others didn't really perform what we supposed that they would. So the goal of the day was to do do a race as if everything is required. So like, train to compete, really. And I feel like I didn't really succeed on that. Like, this was not the optimum race, you know? Like if you look at the lap times, it goes down a little too much. You know, we're talking like tens of seconds here. I'm not saying I could go three seconds faster, I don't think so, but maybe I could have squeezed in like, you know, a little flatter time. But so, but still, I'm really, I'm happy with it. Look, looking at that gap, uh, Blumen said when the ice is better, when it's a better ice rink, I think the gap's smaller. What do you think? I think he's right. My strength as a speed skater is I do good corners, and I'm physically fit. And I believe the straightaways, when the ice is good, no Bergsman, for example, who does really good straightaways. I think he benefits from the better glide. The Canadians, they benefit from the better glide. They always train on the better conditions. Uh, yeah, I think it's right. I think the gap will be smaller when we uh, when we reach the Olympics. I think I think I have the ability to have a good ground shape. But I think if you look at uh, Jorid, for example, four years ago, he did 13:01 here. The Olympics did like. 1241, something like that. That's like 20 seconds. If Jorit goes 20 seconds faster than this, he beats me. A big thank you to Niels there for his time. He's always happy to chat with Leo um, and a great interviewee. He was pretty modest, wasn't he? Saying everything yeah. can change around. And of, of course, he's right. And I, I'm sure he won't be considering the Olympic golds in his back pocket already. But I, I think it's going to take something pretty special to stop him. Yeah, I couldn't agree more, Luke. Um... It's a whole lot closer in most other distances, though, right now. Thankfully, it makes it more exciting. Uh, take the men's 1500 meters. We've got the Chinese flyer Ning Zongyan. Uh, he's looking seriously impressive. And what a Philip that must be ahead of Beijing 2022. But right behind him in the rankings, we've got USA stalwart Joey Mantia. And that's before even mentioning, even mentioning the world champion Thomas Kroll. Yeah, Kroll does seem to be struggling over this distance for some reason. Mm. Well, he wasn't anywhere near the podium again. Um, despite the fact he's, he's obviously in good form generally, he won gold in the 1,000 metres. Um, so that'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Uh, but first of all, Leo caught up with Joey Mantier after his second podium in a row. I'll taper for Salt Lake because that's where I really want to shine. But I, like I said, coming in this weekend, one race, it's nice to have the week to train. And with the schedule this year, it's really tricky to be to find your training blocks and to keep to maintain. And uh, so we decided to, to use this one as a training block. And uh, I took the last couple of days easy, but big, big volume on Tuesday and, and Wednesday. So uh, I'm, I'm happy with it, yeah. So if this is how you skate after a training week like this, then Salt Lake must be, must be something? Uh, I think so. Uh, it's a lot of skating for me in Salt Lake. I have uh, two mass starts, a 15, a 1,000, and a TP. So that's a lot of racing. We'll see how it goes, you know. Uh, but I'm training for at least the Mass Start 15 combination. I'm, I'm really specifically training for that 
situation. See, even though it won't be like that at the Olympics, I'm still, I want to be ready for it on World Cups and stuff. And uh, so I feel like I'm probably more fit than I've ever been. At this point, it's just tidying up a couple technical things, and and that's the difference between winning or not winning at this point. So last week you said there was something with your left skate in the Mazart, didn't you? Is that, have you sold it? Have you looked into it? It doesn't come out in the 15. I don't go fast enough. So like it, it's not a problem that would have shown up today. But uh, on the blue lane, in the Mass Star situations, yeah, it's, it's kind of been an issue. So I'll go back home and spend the next two weeks tinkering around with that blade and seeing if we can get it to really feel comfortable. Maybe take some bend out a little bit. Just get on a pretty flat, pretty, pretty, uh, pretty flat rocker. Uh, so, yeah, we'll, we got a couple weeks to go home and actually play with that now, and I'm looking forward to having these, uh, these training blocks. I see. Apart from training blocks and then training and skating, what, what do you do when you get home? That's it. <laughs> That's I mean, it. my life right now is skating. That's all I care about. I just, it, I just want to win gold medals at the Olympics, at least one. You know, you know, ideally more. But um, I think I have the capability if I focus and I keep on what I'm doing right now. Very interesting to hear him talking about treating the 1500 meters about as part of a training block. Um, but as Leo said, imagine what he can do when he does taper, which he will do for his home World Cup in Salt Lake City next month. I know it's so cool, this isn't it? The sort of uh, smoke and mirror type things of everything with the Olympics looming, like who, who's tapering, who's not, who who's really going for it, who's still training. Uh, it's great stuff, isn't it? Um, and I loved hearing Joey talking with, with just open ambition about going for multiple goals in Beijing, and and he really believes he can do it. Yeah, that's proper mental strength, isn't it? And we can't let the speed skaters go without a word from Laurent Dubriel. Not only is the Canadian always fascinating and in superb form, but he also featured in one of the, the races of the season so far. Yes, he did. And and fresh, first of all, he grabbed gold in the first men's 500 metres of the weekend. He was pretty dominant in that one. And then Laurent pushed Japan's world sprint champion, Tatsuya Shinama, all the way in the second 500 metre race finishing a tiny 0.03 seconds behind him here he was talking to leo after that silver medal you're on top of the world cup ranking now i think isn't it yeah uh, yeah, yeah yeah is uh, that a goal for you i mean in most seasons yes obviously this year it's the secondary goal is the olympics but um to me the best skater in the world is not necessarily the guy who wins the one race at the olympics or the world championship to me, the best skater in the world is supposed to be consistent throughout the whole season and like win medals, most of the races, win events. So it's good to be up there, but there's a long way to go still. I'm sure uh, the Japanese and the Russians and Gao, if he shows up, I think there'll be a, a huge challenge throughout the season. When I saw the race, I saw you on that backstretch. I thought you had a drop. And I was like, he's going to catch up. Uh, I thought so too, but uh, uh, Tatsuya's last corner last 100 meters is really good so uh, he's a great skater too so uh, it was a really close race it's fun to be last pair against like top two in the ranking last pair and we both show up with a good race and uh, I think the crowd liked it so it was, uh, it was a, lot a lot of fun to be part of it obviously I wish I was four or five hundred faster and win but it's a very good race nonetheless super consistent over the first two World Cups isn't it yeah I mean, been on the podium every race, right? So it's not something necessarily that I was thinking about. Uh, I think about racing good every time, but um, a fourth or fifth place is a good race as well. You know, like the level is so high. Um, 
I never thought I would be. Yeah, I never thought I would be on the podium every race like this. But uh, I'm I'm really happy with the beginning of the season. Big thank you to Lauren there and all the skaters and, of course, to Leo. Um, there were so many fantastic performances that weekend. Brittany Bow and Erin Jackson, who, of course, we had on the last pod, grabbed another gold medal each. Well, of course, the two Japanese skaters, Nao Kadira and Miho Takagi, also put in excellent performances. Yes, and many of them will be back in action at the ISQ World Cup in Salt Lake City. Thanks to Leo, we will, of course, bring you a selection of great interviews from there in two weeks' time. Okay, turning to short track, we have the final two short track weekends of the season. Firstly, in Debrecen in Hungary and then Dordrecht in the Netherlands. And they've been extremely tense, haven't they? Because uh, they were the final chances for all the skaters across the board to secure their places at Beijing. Yeah, great stuff, Nick. And you were in Hungary for the first of those weekends, weren't you? How was it? It was extremely enjoyable, thank you. It was the, the first sporting event I've been to with a crowd at it for 21 months, apart from a couple of children's football matches. So uh, that was quite odd and, and very nice. Uh, the Hungarian crowd were really up for it. They love a bit of short track. And of course, they've got two national heroes, Shaowang and uh, Shaolin Sandor Liu, the brothers, to cheer along. And they were not disappointed. Oh, it must have been great. Those brothers never disappoint, do they? And Shaolin won the 500 metres on his 26th birthday, that must have been a good one. Yeah, he's always having fun. He's a one-man party. And it was a, it was a really entertaining race because both the brothers made it to the 500 metres final. And halfway around, the other three competitors sort of crashed out in a massive pile, leaving just the two brothers on their feet. They had a little look at each other and you could see them thinking, well, let's have a race. Let's go for it. And uh, Shaolin just edged in slightly ahead of his brother and it almost took the roof off the place. Debra went went bananas. Um, and I spoke to him afterwards. Happy birthday! How was how was that for a party? Well, like I don't know if there's any party, but I'm I'm out. Like I'm so tired, and uh, I just wanted to rest, have my dinner, and uh, I'm really happy, and uh, I'm so proud of myself. Like I could win, win a win a medal. It's a it's a it's a small pressure, but like you still like want to want to get a medal at, at your birthday. So. So it was a really nice present from, from myself and uh, thanks to my brother. We were racing in the same race, so, so I'm really happy. You almost didn't qualify for the final. It was so close. How did you feel looking at the screen at that point? Yeah, like, yeah, it was tight. Like, my race is always, always tight, like from the quarterfinal to semifinal and semifinal to final. But, but it's a challenge and this is the wonder in the sport. So, so it, was, it, was a, it was a really nice thing. It was tight, but I like to make the show and I like, like to make you guys nervous. So... <laughs> So, so I'm, I'm, I'm glad I made it. How did you feel when that crash happened and it was just you and your brother left? Well, like I just only seen in the big screen, so so I didn't really feel like like we, we just it was just us. So so I was I was pretty calm after the fall, but I didn't know how many skaters fell or or how far they are. So I was trying to max it out and skate as fast as I, as I could. And you still try to race each other on those last couple of laps? Yeah, we always try to race each other, but like. Yeah, he he was nice. He he gave me the gold medal, so 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 it was nice. Finally, you've been skating in a lot of empty rooms recently. How nice is it to have this crowd here? And it's it's almost like a home football match. Yeah, it's 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 really nice to back home and uh, racing in front of the the Hungarian crowd. They give us a lot of power. We couldn't make it without them. And um, and um, yeah, it's it's been a one and a half year we didn't race, and the last time we raced in front of the crowd, it was here. So. So it's it, it, it's a huge thing, and I'm and I'm really happy. And uh, 
And um, hopefully in, in Beijing, the, the Chinese uh, fans, and gonna, they're going to support us as the, as the Chinese athletes. You'll never forget your 26th birthday. Are you going to have some cakes tonight or just uh, drink some water and go to sleep? Uh, I, think, I think I deserve a cake, so it's like I, can, I, can, I, I will have one, yeah. Fantastic. I love that, Nick. And I would love to attend a party with the Lee brothers. Uh, <laughs> but tell me, what else was going on over there? Well, there's no question who the star of the show really was. Um, really, she's been the star of the last few seasons. But just when you think Suzanne Schulting can't surprise you, see, she somehow gets even better. Yeah, incredible stuff. She won the 500 metres, the 1,000 metres, the 1,500 metres, and then anchored the women's team to victory in the relay. That kind of clean sweep, it, it just doesn't happen in short track, does it? Not really till now. I'm trying to think of the right word for what we witnessed out there because Dominant doesn't really cover it anymore. I think she's, she's maybe moved up to Imperious. Uh, and we say it all the time, it's worth repeating, this this isn't meant to happen in this sport because it is chaos usually. Yeah, there's there's not much precedent for this kind of Imperious skating, is there, as you put it, Nick? I like that. <laughs> I mean, she she did something similar, I suppose, at the 2021 Worlds uh, because she won all three individual distances, but that was a weaker field. Um, but this is racing at the very, very top, isn't it? Yeah, that's that's absolutely right. And I, I spoke to her about it afterwards. Congratulations. What a day. How are you feeling? Yeah, I feel really great right now. I think it was a great day. I think I did some awesome things on the 1500 and the 500, so I'm super happy. That 500 is crazy. You're up against the world record holder, the Olympic gold medalist. I know you're the world champion as well. But, I mean, how have you stepped up so much in that race? Yeah, I think the final was just a really high-quality race. And I think that's, um, that's what you want before the Games, uh, before the Olympics, skate as much finals and on this quality i think you will you learn the most and um yeah i'm just super happy with the race and how it turned out and how i was really i stayed really calm and um i think that's uh that's 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 amazing do you feel invincible at the moment because i know it's not easy this but you're just you do look calm and you do look so focused and you're winning medals every meeting yeah of course it's really hard also for me it's uh four long days and you have to stay focused all the time and sometimes it's really hard and sometimes you're also dealing with your own insecurities and but today uh, was really great for me and um, yeah I don't know I'm just I don't know what to say I'm just really really happy but of course I have my own insecurities as well yeah you you don't show them at all Um, in the 1500 is it your tactic now to just get to the front and use your raw power because you've got that speed skating ability as well do you like sort of getting out the way of the the mix the passing and all that now yeah I think I'm really I'm I'm, I'm really strong and of course I'm also able to um, come from the back and go to the front on the outside but as you see the, the the quality of skaters everyone can skate so really fast so that's it's, it's really hard and I'm strong in doing both so um, then I of course I, I choose to do the, the tactical plan when I can win the gold and that's skating in front it's odd to hear Suzanne talk about insecurities isn't it because you you can't imagine her having any that like us mere mortals uh, she has that incredible game face that she puts on the ice but of course she's not a robot and right now she's dealing with all kinds of pressure and expectation. She is, and it gets you thinking about how athletes at the very top separate themselves from others who might have equal physical abilities. And, and I asked um, Suzanne's Netherlands teammate, Itzak Delat, about it. He was kind of watching along with me uh, 
this amazing feat with a, an open mouth. And he said, well, she just always wants more success, but in a good way, whatever she does is, is never enough. And that just keeps driving on to new levels. Yeah, incredibly impressive. Uh, and the action then moved on to Dordrecht. And everyone was expecting more glory for Schulting on her home ice. It seemed almost inevitable. But finally, Short Track said, no, that's enough. <laughs> it did. It's, nobody can ever quite master this sport because when you've just, you bet your house on her winning an individual gold medal again, but she didn't didn't win a single race. Yeah, I wonder if, you know, do you think all her competitors spent that week thinking, come on, we'll, someone's got to take her down. And, and, and finally, they all managed it. I mean, the two Koreans have been relatively quiet this season. Uh, Lee Yubin in the 500 metres and Choi Min-Yung in the 1,000 metres were very impressive. But then Canadian Kim Bhutan in the 500, wow. Yeah, she's built for pure speed and it's taken her a while to get back to her peak, but she's just absolutely obliterated the field in that race. And uh, our reporter, Nick Leonard, spoke to her afterwards. Is this just more confirmation that you're getting back yeah. to where you need to be? Yeah, it's nice. I'm, I'm pretty happy about the... <laughs> I'm pretty happy about the race. I feel like the speed was there, so I think for now it's to be in calm in front. And then I think there was a lot of action, so it was really nice that I passed back. So I think it's yeah, I think it's a a good uh, a good track for me to the games. Yeah. And when Ariana passed you, what was your mindset at that um, point? I knew that it was the the it was the right thing to do because I'm really wide at this point, but I was building speed. So for me to get back and pass her again, I, I think. With her track, she was better, but she didn't have enough speed for passing me at that point. So I feel like for me, that was good to stay wide and then it'll catch me. Really excellent to hear Kim Bhutan sounding so positive there. Um, but I suppose you could argue that the headline of the Dutch weekend came from another veteran, didn't it? Yeah, uh, we've been following the story of Schinke Knecht very closely over the last few seasons because the poor guy suffered not one, but two terrible accidents a couple of years ago including get some very serious burns. And he, he had to take a lot of time out. And we did wonder whether he'd ever return to his very best. Um, but this weekend, the Netherlands legend got onto his first podium in three years, silver medal in that 1,500 metres. Magnificent stuff. Uh, Shinky, just back to his crafty best, really. He's such a quick thinker, as well yeah. as being so quick on his feet. And he spoke to the other Nick afterwards. Here he is. Of course, there, there, there are always... There were moments I thought I would never skate again, but uh, I'm happy I can skate again, and uh, yeah, I'm uh, I'm happy to win this this medal and uh, after uh, a long period of uh, of recovery. Confirmation for you for all the work that you would have put in has, has paid off. Yes, 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 of course, of course. This is, I, I needed this. I needed a, a medal to to get the confirmation to get back on the highest level in skating, and I'm uh, yeah, what I said. I'm really happy with this medal. Great words from the Dutch master there. And the men's field was pretty interesting again with uh, Xiaowang Liu of Hungary winning the 1,000 metres and Wu Daijing and Ren Ziwei of China getting gold in the 500 and 1,500 metres respectively. You've got to say the Chinese team must be feeling confident uh, ahead of their home games, or the men at least. Well, yeah, absolutely, because it's been a quiet few seasons really, hasn't it? But yeah, but they're obviously peaking at the right time and um, plenty of focus on them. Um, but let's have a quick look at Olympic qualification now in general. Were there any really real surprises, people who missed out? Yeah, well, we'll, we'll be doing a full analysis of the whole season as we wrap up 2021 in our next episode. But yeah, uh, just overall in short track, the answer is not really in terms of surprises. Most of the people you expect to have got through 
have got through. I think the main one that is a surprise, it's a little bit sad really, is that Elise Christie of Great Britain hasn't made the cut. Um, we thought might, this might be the season that she got back to full strength and started challenging the top contenders again, but instead she's just been ravaged by injuries. But even considering that, for her to not make the games at all is, is a real surprise. Yeah, it's so tough, isn't it? I mean, yeah. what a racer and what a career she's had, really. We mustn't forget that. Yeah. Um, but that's it for short track until January. Um, but fear not, there's plenty of figure skating and speed skating still to come over the next few weeks. Most notably, of course, that Grand Prix final we've been talking about loads. Um, so we're really looking forward to that. Yeah. And in our next episode, we'll be reviewing that and uh, that Grand Prix final and two speed skating events. So please do tune in. Great stuff. And we'll be wrapping up 2021 pre-Christmas with some insightful interviews. And we look forward to seeing you all then. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, please do leave us a review and uh, spread the word about skating it is such a great time for this sport and we do want to get as many people involved um so spread the ice skating word uh thanks very much nick take care see you in a couple of weeks